This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The legalized marijuana use that we've seen prevalent, especially amongst our youth. And uh, to that point, there's been a study that's come out of the U.S. of A. says that uh, laws that re- uh, legalized rec- recreational marijuana uh, have now been associated with an 8% drop in the number of high schoolers who said they used marijuana in the last 30 days and a corresponding 9% drop in the number who said they'd used at least 10 times in the last 30 days. So I guess this is something to feel optimistic about uh, because we've learned in past where there are deleterious health effects uh, and mental health, especially when it comes to the use of marijuana with our youth. Uh, so says Alex Berenson, a former reporter for the New York Times who authored the bestseller, Tell Your Children the truth about marijuana, mental illness, and violence. And Alex Berenson has joined The Oakley Show this afternoon by way of a follow-up. Alex, how you doing? Um, John, it's great to be on with you. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about this study. Well, you know, I, I was just curious to see what your reaction would be because I know uh, it was a rather ominous note that you were sounding, almost, you know, running counter to the received wisdom about recreational marijuana was all sweetness and light and so on and so forth. Uh, so what do you make of this, though, that the use now with... So it would be very nice if this study were true. Uh, it, it is almost certainly not true. Um, you may remember that about five years ago, uh, there was a study that came out uh, that said that marijuana, uh, medical marijuana laws reduced opioid overdose deaths. Mm-hmm. Okay, this was a big deal in the United States. The industry talked, has talked about it endlessly. Medical marijuana reduces opioid overdose deaths. So in my book, I discussed at length why that study probably was wrong. Okay, and I, and I, and I, and I did some research with a, with a very good uh, data scientist to show that the, that the data was probably, that, that it had probably never been true, and that if you looked at more recent data, it certainly wasn't true. Okay. That was actually confirmed by, I, my name is not on the paper, but the guy who I worked with wrote, worked with three other uh, uh, top scientists from Stanford, and they confirmed that the medical marijuana finding was false. Okay, that, that, that at best you can say it's been superseded, that there is that, in fact, if you look at the totality of the evidence, it looks like medical marijuana laws actually lead to opioid overdose increases in the United States on a statewide basis. OK, the reason I'm talking about that is because that's what's very, very likely to happen with this finding. OK, if, if you if you actually look at the paper and and. And look at what these guys did. It's a very, very marginal finding, and it contradicts everything we know in the real world. In the real world, so there's this idea that if you legalize dispensaries won't sell to people under 18, but drug dealers will. Let's just say that's true. Let's agree that's true, that dispensaries are perfectly run. They never break the rules. You know, you can, that they're always going to enforce the law. All that a drug dealer has to do is walk into the dispensary buy marijuana much more easily than he did on the black market before and turn around and sell it to a 17-year-old or a 14-year-old. So that, so that idea is nonsense. The other nonsense idea is that somehow if marijuana is legalized, that it becomes less attractive to teenagers and that rising adult use is, makes the drug less attractive to teenagers, which if you look at what we know about drug epidemics in history is totally untrue. When adult opioid use goes up, teen opioid use goes up. When adult cigarette use is higher, teen cigarette use is higher. Teens may not care what their parents do, but they certainly care about what people in their 20s do. And 
And legalizing marijuana leads to increased uses in their 20s. So there's a lot of good real-world reasons to believe this finding is nonsense. And when you actually look at the study, it's a very weak finding. Here's the truth. The truth is the five states in the United States that have the highest rates of teen marijuana use are all fully legal recreational states. Colorado, Oregon, Alaska, Massachusetts, and Maine. Those states don't have a lot in common. They're on the East Coast and the West Coast, the middle of the country. Some are very rural. Some are more urban. What they have in common is they all have legalized cannabis, and they all have really high rates of, of teen use. And this study infuriates me because the industry is going to quote it. Journalists who haven't done the work, who haven't read it, and I'm not saying you, but you know, CNN was featuring this yesterday. They're going to parrot this nonsense, and in a year or two or three, Somebody's going to blow it up, just like the medical marijuana opioid study got blown up. Again, with Alex Berenson. He's a reporter, a former reporter for the New York Times. His book, Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. And so you're disputing the study, uh, and yet, look, I, I don't know one way or the other. I'm just citing it, as you say, uh, that yes. this is published in the uh, Journal of the American Journal. Medical Association Pediatrics. I mean, that's a fairly august body, yes. isn't it? Very prestigious, and it was peer-reviewed. Technically, it's not a full paper. It's what's called a research letter, so it isn't going through quite the same letter level of review. I'm not saying that, that, that these findings are made up, okay? They, I, I'm sure that the, that the researchers did, you know, found the data that they, you know, found and did the analysis that they did. What I'm saying is they're talking about a relative reduction, and they are hiding the ball, the number that matters is the absolute number of kids who are using, and it is much higher in the legalized states. And there's every reason to believe that that makes sense. What's the number one thing that legalization does? It reduces the price of cannabis. Okay, In places like Oregon, where, where cannabis is fully legal now, you can get an ounce. I mean, not just fully legal, but there's very few restrictions on growing, very few restrictions on dispensaries. You can get an ounce of cannabis for $40. Okay, that's, a, that's about as cheap as cannabis has ever been. And, and for teens who don't necessarily have a lot of disposable income, the price really matters. So there's very good reason to believe that legalizing is not going to reduce teen use. And there's very few reasons to believe that legalizing will reduce teen use. And what I'm saying to people is that there should be an appropriate amount of skepticism about whether this finding is meaningful in any way. And, and I don't think it is. And I think the industry is desperate for some good news because driving accidents are way up in the legal states in New York, in, in the United States. Uh, homicides are way up in the legalized states. Um, psychiatric admissions appear to be up. There's been a lot of bad news about scientific news about cannabis recently. Um, there was a very good study actually done by some Canadian researchers that was published in another JAMA uh, journal last month that showed that cannabis use during pregnancy was very dangerous. Um, that it increased the risk of um, of early births and other problems significantly, and so the industry the industry likes to to seize on this as if it's meaningful, but it's not. So, Alex, basically, what you're saying here, and I think we've addressed this in previous occasions, that we've really embarked on a colossal social experiment. When do you think the jury will be in on this, or is it? Uh, I think I mean I think the data is accumulating. I, one of the things you know I checked this because in in, in the U.S. actually. You can get data on uh, on drug driving accidents pretty quickly. I don't see any data like that from Canada, but but driving accidents appear to increase almost immediately after legalization, which makes sense, um, you know, because those are really about intoxication 
and people who wouldn't have been willing to drive uh, under the influence will post-legalization. So, so I think that's something that Canada should be looking out for. I think the homicide data that's going to take that takes longer, sort of, to, for, for for the effect to be seen. But I think that's something people should be looking out for. I think psychiatric admissions people should be looking out for. I think addiction people should be looking out for. One one other point that I've been that I've been making recently is it's unbelievable to me that Health Canada is actually going to weaken its restrictions on cannabis uh, in in October. Right now, there are there there are warning labels on cannabis that say in Canada that say this drug can cause psychosis and schizophrenia. This drug can be addictive. Health Canada is going to drop those. That is a scandal. Someone, some Canadian newspaper should be investigating why that happened and if it has anything to do with the fact that inventories of cannabis are piling up in Canada. Sales are not what the industry expected, and uh, you know, is that the reason why? Health Canada is dropping these restrictions. And, you know, it's funny for me to say this because as an American, I tend to think, oh, Canada, it's so well run. It's, a, you know, it's really a it's really a, a model government. But when I see things like this, I think, oh, you know, Canada is just like the United States. The industry has power and it does what it likes. Well, and it's interesting because uh, just a little background on this. Your wife is a prominent forensic psychiatrist. In many ways, that prompted your writing this book, if I understand correctly. Tell your children the truth about marijuana, mental illness, and violence. And uh, you've told us in past that uh, there have been increases in schizophrenia and various psychoses and things like that. So uh, the fact that we've legalized in this province 18-year-olds to have access when we know the uh, youth brain is still in the developmental stage until 25, uh, there seems to be some disconnect to what is uh, socially responsible here. I I totally agree with that. And, you know, one of the worst things that Canada did was setting the age at 18. Um, It clearly should be, you know, 21, 23, even 25. Now, the industry can never agree to that because so much of the use is between, you know, is 18 to 25-year-olds. But it's clearly a mistake to set it at 18. And, uh, you know, you know, since the book came out, I've heard from I've heard from Americans. I've heard from Canadians. You know, I've heard from uh, these are all parents who have who have really lost their children to psychosis. And, you know, they've said to me. You know, until I read your children, like I didn't, I didn't really understand that this was a, you know, this wasn't just my kid. This is a, that this is a societal problem, and um, I do think that Canada really, I, I, you know, more than any other country, arguably even the U.S., because it's, you know, because legalization happened all at once in Canada, and because Canada does have, you know, a national health care. Canada, Canada is in a position to collect data on this, and I really hope they do. You know, I'm just curious about the response, like in the ensuing, uh, it's been almost a year since the book came out. Some critics I've read uh, have said you're exaggerating some of these uh, consequences or misrepresented the, uh, I I guess, what's uh, the impact and so on and so forth. Uh, How do you respond to those critics? So I say, look, let's say I am exaggerating. I don't believe I am. And, you know, the the studies that have come out since the book came out, uh, you know, since Tell Your Children came out in January, have only sort of emphasized this. But let's say I'm exaggerating. Is it better to have people more concerned about this risk or not as concerned about this risk? You know, is 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 it better... For uh, you know, for us to be worried about this and watching it, or just to assume that cannabis is some miracle medicine, which it obviously is not, uh, and and to legalize and to have all these consequences happen, and in five or ten or fifteen years, when there are you know tens of thousands of Canadian uh, you know teens and young adults whose minds have been broken by this drug, and that's a real you know that's a, that's a legitimate forecast based on what we know 
about the health risks of, canna- of cannabis. You know, is, are we going to, are you, or is Canada going to regret doing this so blithely? People say, I'm alarmist. And I say, I want you to be alarmed. Psychosis is a terrible thing. It's a terrible disease for the sufferer. It's a terrible disease for the family. It's incredibly expensive societally. It clearly leads to violence, and violence is another, you know, terrible consequence. So, so yeah, I want you to be alarmed. That's why I wrote the book. Finally, just as a footnote here, uh, clarify a point you made earlier. Do you suggest yeah. it was a gateway as well to uh, opioid use, or is it just the oh, court? Oh, Oh no, it's uh, it, it's clearly a gateway, and uh, and and we can talk about why. But you know, there's no, it's no accident that uh, Canada and the U.S., which have the most cannabis use of any sort of of the big industrialized countries, also have the worst opioid problem. And you can even look at you look at Vancouver. You know, the the uh, there was a paper written uh, a couple of days ago where a very very good uh, scientist in the U.S. pointed out that the death rate for opioids in Vancouver despite all the social services, all the harm reduction, everything else, is higher than the death rate for opioids in West Virginia. Okay, and, and, and the idea that cannabis somehow helps people not to use opioids or is anything but a gateway to harder drugs, and I, I don't even say harder because high-potency cannabis is a pretty hard drug all by itself, but the, the idea that it's anything but a gateway to other drugs, there is, there is just tons of evidence suggesting that is not the case. It is a gateway. Well, we'll leave on that ominous note. Uh, It's always good to talk, and uh, I appreciate your time this afternoon, Alex. John, thank you so much. All right. We'll cross paths again, I'm sure. Alex Berenson, former reporter for the New York Times, author of the bestseller, Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.